And I think that's the thing that holds us back is that we believe we can't be ourselves. And we and, and we and we lose touch with what that true self is and that true self really wants. So I see my a lot of co- my coaching sessions is helping people come back home and making decisions from that place. Home being that place inside, beyond the stories, all that. It's like, what does that feel like to be home? Hello, hello, and welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Now, one of the things I absolutely love about this profession is the potential for connection with people all over the world, because almost all of what, well, almost all of what I do anyway is online and over video calls. And today we traverse the globe to the extent that uh, if we drilled a hole from where I'm based here in little old Ipswich in the UK through the center of the earth, I think we'd end up not far away from today's guests. And I just think that's absolutely amazing that we can do that. I love how we can bring people together in that way. So today's guest, she's based in New Zealand, in case you didn't get that from my geography lesson. She is someone I see as being an advocate of being yourself, very much so, straight talking, turning it like it is, taking lots of action, and is pretty damn cool and super fun to chat with. So that makes her a perfect guest for this show, right? So no pressure, okay? Massive warm <laughs> welcome, Annie Romanos. Hello. Hey, Phil. Ah, yeah. Yeah, we're a long way away from each other. And isn't technology amazing? And I just showed my age by saying that. <laughs> I always get blown away about how amazing it is and easy it is to do business now with people I probably would never have met had it been a few decades ago it's awesome i mean it still blows my mind so does that make me an old crony i don't know i i actually <laughs> just to just to check that i was correct in that i got my actual globe out um and just looked and yeah it wouldn't be too far off it'd be it'd be you know i think you'd be able to come and fetch me in a boat if i if i uh came through the center of the earth in that way so um, um <laughs> It just blows my mind. So tell tell us, Annie, how did you um, originally get into the coaching profession? Yeah. I got into coaching because I wanted to save my marriage. That is the absolute short story. Um, but that was over 12 years ago now. And uh, I uh, was introduced to this um, personal development weekend and I thought it would really help me not get divorced. And it did. And it has <laughs> saved my marriage. The principles I learned at that weekend has saved my marriage many, many times. But I got introduced to this world of coaching. And I did, uh, after that first um, experience back in 2006, I've had uh, a lot of involvement I had a lot of involvement while I was raising two kids with this organization that put these amazing kind of um, weekends on for people that are really interested in exploring their potential and and kind of seeing the nature of how the nature of life works and just all that stuff, you know, the inside out thing, Um, sometimes known as three principles, kind of all that stuff. So 
yeah, I did a lot of work for them. I ended up um, running teams, um, putting weekends on. I was heavily involved. Um, and I think it was like, on the one hand, saving my marriage and also kind of keeping my sanity while I was raising two young kids, two, uh, the first two of my three kids. And then in 2012, my um, youngest at the time was just about to turn five, and I thought, um, I've got to get a job in the real world. I, I love all the stuff that I do for this nonprofit, and, and you know, but it was purely voluntary. And I realised, um, yeah, I needed to get, I wanted to get a job and, and get paid for it. So I actually invested quite heavily in a career coach, and I went along to that coach, and I was just like, whoa, I can do better than this. And that was there was the seed was planted in that moment that I could actually. Uh, use the uh, skills and experience I've had over the last that prior sort of eight years with this organization and kind of turn it into something so it was just a thought back then and then I got up the duff and we went for number three <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then I um, I decided to do things different with this third kid and um, I, I realized that I did actually it was really important for me um, for me, for, for my marriage and for my relationship with my kids, that I did actually work and get paid for it. Um, and I think that thought that I'd had with that career coach in two, 2012 really started to kind of form into, um, all right, well, what could that look like if I was going to coach? I hadn't realized that coaching was even something people paid you for. So when I rocked up to this woman and I was thinking, you know, had in my mind that, oh, I really believe I can do a better job that I could get paid for that. So that was like, poor, you know, it was like a, a, a big insight and pretty exciting to think that um, I could get money for doing something that felt really, really pleasurable, really natural, um, was helping people. It was like too good to be true. So that was kind of the beginning of that, uh, a very, you know, kind of interesting um, journey into discovering about how I can turn my passion and skills into a, a pretty cool business, actually. I think, you know, yeah. so eight years coaching in a, essentially a voluntary capacity where I guess then you hadn't got... Um, something that most coaches or a lot of coaches certainly face you know the financial pressures are right, I, I need i need to create clients um and you know i need to create an income if you haven't got that going on can you looking back at that at how you were coaching then um is there anything you observe about that how how you know how you operated as a coach how does that compare with now to be honest phil it doesn't actually um that things haven't really changed because I are really, really privileged. My husband's got a great job um, and I don't need to work. So I am in a really fortunate position right now that everything I do is because of choice, that there is no um, pressure about earning a certain, you know, level of income and have to pay some critical bills, you know, so we stay warm in winter, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that, means that I get to choose who I work with and the hours that I do. And that's why coaching, I, I, I love it, you know, like I, I haven't, haven't looked back. I can't imagine doing anything else because it's just pure joy for me. 
Mm. So what what um working with that career coach then for you was there like I'm sure there wasn't just one big huge insight that went oh pow other than you know that realization that you can get paid but yeah. um working with that coach what did you then start to do differently sounds like an obvious question but I'm I'm curious how you then started to build a coaching business I started looking around on the internet <laughs> and typing the words coach into Google, literally, and seeing what people are doing. Like I just went on this, so my, my, my baby was born and, you know, I didn't do much for that first year, but I just immersed myself in the world of coaching in terms of, you know, seeing who's out there, what they're doing, how their business looks like. Um, you know, what type of coaching, like, I was just, um, I remember that, that first two years, I was just in complete uh, research and just soaking it up mode, just like a sponge. And that was before I really set up shop. I was just fascinated, you know, so podcasts, um, you know, signing up to people's email lists and just, just taking it all in, actually, and going, wow, there's, there's lots of different ways to do this. And, Everyone's got their own flavor and, 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 and oh, oh, that's possible and this is possible. Like, it, was, it was great, actually. I felt like I was at uni <laughs> <laughs> without the exams and the pressure. I was just researching. It was fantastic. It was a perfect way to spend my time with a one-year-old still breastfeeding, <laughs> you know? And and I and I've done that, and, and 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 to some extent, still catch myself doing that. Actually, spending an, an inordinate amount of time consuming content, yeah. other content. How do you how do you move out of that? Well, I um started to notice an appetite in myself for making money. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of sit here learning. All right, what are you going to do with it? You know. Um, so baby was about a year and I had him with, you know, just a few hours a week with a carer and I started trying things out. So I am, there's that, that term, you know, chucking spaghetti at a wall. And I, I'm, I don't want it to sound irreverent and that it's just that random, but I am that, I'm that person who tries things out and it gets, gets the data back, the feedback and course corrects and moves on, you know, or, or, or do you know like tweaks what I you know tweak what I need to tweak, um, and so I started out. I had this idea that I really really wanted to help uh, women kind of that you know um, were on a, a benefit that were that were bringing up children and that were you know getting social wealth, social welfare to help them social welfare paycheck to help them transition from welfare to work. That was what I first wanted to do. I thought. That's who I want to help. I had a few women in my kids' school community at that time that were intelligent um, women that had a lot of, um, you know, uh, a lot of potential and had, had had good careers, but had had some pretty shitty stuff happen to them in their personal lives and found themselves kind of, you know, at the mercy of, you know, the government paycheck to kind of help them get out of a hole. And I was like, oh, my God, I really want to help them, you know, transition from get out of like being, you know, dependent on the government and make something happen for themselves, like that career creation, but for that niche. Yeah. Um, but I learned pretty fast that it was going to be a huge battle for me because I was going to have to play um, – 
play by the rules of, you know, the Ministry of Social Development here and this and that. And I was like, that was going to take far too long for someone like me who's an action taker. And I'd have to kind of apply for this and that thing, get accredited this. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't need any more accreditation. I don't need any more, you know, letters after my name. I just need to be able to put what I know to practice. So that door closed pretty fast for me, actually. And so then I was um, having a chat with a friend, actually, who'd been, uh, I met through this uh, fantastic organization I'd done all my early coaching with. And uh, she's mentioned uh, the Gallup Strengths Finder, Clifton Strengths. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And I booked myself on to do a week-long training with them and found myself as a accredited strengths coach. And I just started putting it out on Facebook that I was doing coaching sessions for $50 um, an hour and I filled my practice that way. (laughs) And then I decided that actually strengths coaching wasn't for me because actually what I really, really love is the deep dive. I really love going deep with people. And I like working with them more than one off. I like to take them on a journey because that's how my my whole, uh, I guess, life has evolved and uh, in a journey fashion. It's not like a one off overnight thing. And so, again, you know, learning pretty quickly that one session not enough, three sessions not enough. Uh, it's not the way. Um, you know, I wasn't doing my best work with them. I wasn't really being able to help them go from A to B in, in a short time. And that actually it was that longer-term relationship. That's where the magic was. So my coaching practice has evolved in the last coming up three years um, pretty organically but quickly because of the pace I like to work. And um, I don't ma- I don't mind making fuck-ups and, and getting the lessons and moving quickly. I don't yeah. stew for long. Because mm. I wonder, because you mentioned at the beginning there, and thank you for that, that um, you said you felt somewhat privileged, I think was what you, the word you used, because you don't need to make money from your coaching. And I'm sure a lot of people would listen to this and think, well, that probably does give you a distinct advantage because a lot of, a lot of people put themselves under pressure um, from this perceived need to create money from coaching. And, you know, suddenly one of my uh, mentors, Steve Chandler, when I went through his school, he would just say, well, if you need to make money from coaching, go and get a job to alleviate that pressure. Um, it's, it's not really a question that I guess you can answer with any certainty, but do you think that may have impacted? Would you, do you, can you imagine or envisage that you might have done things any differently had you had actually needed to make money from coaching? Yeah. You know, when you were just asking that, I, I was just thinking, um, I think I've been willing to fail because I haven't needed the money. Definitely. Mm. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm just someone that's, you know, <laughs> brave enough to fail or stupid enough to fail. <laughs> um, because I haven't needed money, um, I think that there has been an element of brave that may have been harder to access if I needed money. Hmm. And I say to my clients, you know, well, it's up to them if they want to throw all their eggs in, in, in one basket because I know that certainly worked for some people. Um, but it is a bit, a bit like don't give up your day job. If you've got bills to pay, the last thing you want to be bringing in to an intimate relationship that is coaching 
is some craving and need for their money. Yeah. That that's not good. No. No, and I and I I've mentioned this on this podcast before when I I quit my corporate job fifteenth of fifteenth uh, of April, two thousand eleven was my last day corporate employment, yeah. and uh, yeah, I had no idea really what I was doing as far as the business of coaching went. And in fact, looking back, I'm a very very different coach as well to then. But um, yeah, I can see when I talk about this, I always encourage people to um, look and see how their current uh, employment situation can be. Uh, a way of supporting them moving forward rather than a hindrance because this does come up time and time and I and I know I've had a pretty bumpy ride myself and there has been times in my practice where I've really needed to make some money um, sooner rather than later and it's very difficult even with you know the, the training and understanding we have principles and whatever it's still um, it's it's still pretty icky to have that going on in the background yeah, you know, um, I was at a coaching intensive a couple of weeks ago in LA with Rich Litvin, uh, and I love how he says, you know, you know, there's two distinct. You can, you can kind of like separate what you do in two distinct ways: your cash projects and your sexy projects. If coaching's a sexy project for you, and hope ideally become a cash project, but if you're needing some cash, go and find the cash project. Mm. So how has your practice changed then, particularly over the last three years? Um, you said, you know, you're charging people like on a per session basis, $50 or whatever for a session and whatever. How has that, how has the shape, if you like, of your of your practice changed over the last few years? And, and how has that come about? What have you seen that had you make those changes? Yeah. And the first thing that pops in my mind is how... Uh, I'm playing with money. Mm. Does that sound bad? <laughs> I think oh it's my awesome. God, I sound like <laughs> such a privilege. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll tell you what I mean by that. I'll show you what I mean by that. Um, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of people, um, you know, maybe a lot of people listening, will be like having the freakouts now and then about what they charge. I know what I did. Even though I didn't need the money, I know I did. And I think one of the biggest uh, evolutions in the way I do business now is uh, knowing that uh, what I charge is what I charge and it has absolutely nothing to do with my value. Mm. It's just what I charge. And there's something, well, there's something freeing about that for me, but also in the sales conversation, which is a coaching conversation with sales as opposed to distinct to just a coaching conversation when you're not trying to enroll someone out of it or, or you know, that's not the game, in game. Uh, that when I come to speaking of, you know, what it costs, you know, and what what the investment is, it's, it's really uh, enjoyable and effortless to say. Well, this is this is how it works, and my okayness with that now, like as distinct from when it wasn't okay, 
And when I was just like, oh, did this and that, and you know, and it was way cheaper back then, but it was way less compelling and way less enrolling. Is it, yeah, it, there's a there's a confidence with that that people are enrolled into when I talk about how much I charge. From that, really, really kind of just, I, I'm absolutely 100% okayness with it. And I'm freaking out about numbers. Particularly, how has that changed? Has it has it evolved? Has it been like, oh, I'm doubled every six months, whatever? I mean, how, how yeah, have you? Yeah, want to talk about that. Oh, yeah, okay. So let's, well, started off for free, many, many years coaching for yeah. free. Yeah, I did that. With this too. organization. <laughs> and I didn't realize that was my like university. I had no idea, but that was like kind of my coaching university for, for those many years working with this fantastic nonprofit called the Kairos Foundation. But, um, and then, yeah, $50 a session and $80 a session. And then $100 a session, and then, uh oh, no more single sessions. That's not working. <laughs> and it was $300 for three, and then it was $900 for a session of six, and then it was $2,000 for three months, and then it was $3,000 for four, four months, and then it's just yeah, gone up just since evolved. then. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, here's the other thing which I think's. Um, which I've found kind of useful, but it's not a requirement. But the more I invest in myself and the bigger the number that I, you know, fork out, the more comfortable I am increasing my prices because I know what that feels like and I'm willing to. So, you know, yeah. I find that's, um, that's been useful for me. But it's not necessary, but it's useful. joys of coaching with kids my four-year-old's just walked into my studio with his little head torch on it's dark outside he's like oh mummy's down in her office i'll come and say hi <laughs> um i i love that you did so much coaching i'm sure you got many many coaching hours in without any of that financial pressure and, and i guess um deep deeper into that question and i asked you what were you doing differently but i'm wondering how you have evolved as a coach are you um coaching any any particular way are you pointing in a particular direction was there something you're drawing out of your clients differently now how have you evolved i guess is the simple question how have you evolved as a coach yeah in a way that's quite hard for me to answer because how it feels to me now is I'm just doing more of what comes naturally to me without following, you know, uh, certain modalities. It just doesn't even occur to me to do that. But what occurs to me is to work with the moment and the person in front of me. So I did my very first one-day intensive yesterday, and I loved it. Mm. I was really excited as I was driving into the city at 7 a.m., and I was just thinking, I have no idea where this is going to go today and how much I was, you know, looking forward to that and how excited about the prospect of I don't know where this is going to go, but... I can trust myself in the moment and my client actually 
I trust my client. Mm. I think that's probably that's that's what I've seen more and more actually. It's much more about trusting what we know the client has within them, what they're capable of, and what they're capable of seeing. And that so takes the pressure off us, right? Or any focus even on us. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm like, is this actually happening? Am I really going to meet this person for a day and do what is absolutely effortless for me? Although, you know, I, I've invested a lot in myself and my business, but and, and I'm getting paid for it. It's that, oh, my God, I'm doing that thing that I promote and I espouse. I really am. Like it was one of those moments. Wow, I am doing that. It's just amazing. And, you know, I was a little bit nervous as I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know where it's going. But, you know, it, it was it was just the day unfolded absolutely beautifully. And I my, my sweet spot is, um, you know, kind of, you know, Working with what's coming up in the moment and 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 what questions arise to me in the moment out of, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm typically when I'm when I'm with a client, it's almost like it's my meditation time. Does that sound weird? <laughs> but it, it's like I'm in a pretty quiet, calm space where I am focused a hundred percent on them. So actually, I don't have a lot on my mind. And so it's it's actually pretty relaxing for me, and I and then because I know that's what happens for me, I was pretty excited driving in. I'm like, actually, you can trust yourself because this is just how it unfolds every single time. And so that's how I like working, plus a whiteboard because I love it when I can see a client has had some insight and they're ready to shift gear into choosing and creating. So it's like me, my client, us, and a whiteboard, if needs be. And that was great. That was great. So like, you know, yesterday afternoon, it was, we had a pretty big morning, a pretty intense morning, um, and it was, it was wonderful. Some big insights. There were tears. There was some anger there was you know it was like it was great the whole gamut of emotions and I'm just holding that space for her and it was just beautiful she was just loving it soaking it up and um and then after lunch it was just um obvious it was time that she was like okay what next when I go home I'm ready to to do things differently ready to shake it up mm. and uh that was great too. It was like, for me, I'm like, I love that. I love that. It's like a heart storm and brainstorm. And yeah, I love the strategy just as much as I love that deep working with what my client brings. Yeah, I sometimes use an analogy where what we, we find ourselves doing um, is like clearing all the crap out of the kitchen and then understanding the appliances and whatever yeah. understanding how the kitchen works what's in there so we've got this nice shiny kitchen available to us right okay so what are we going to cook up now let's get cooking yeah. uh, and, and i love all of that i love like all three stages if you like of that but that's not that's never happening happening consciously that's just something that um, that's an observation of what just seems to happen yeah, yeah, and I was totally prepared not to whip the whiteboard out. I love whiteboarding. <laughs> I'm um, someone that loves to connect the dots visually, and we get things down, and we can sort of, you know, and my client gets their their thoughts down or, or, or whatever, and we can sort of step back and both look at the whiteboard and go, okay, 
you know, it just helps get perspective yeah. um, and helps, you know, kind of connect the dots. And so, but I was willing not to, but it was fun. It was fun. I love that part because yeah. I think that's the difference between coaching and therapy. Like I've had clients say to me, God, that was like a therapy session. And I was like, Ooh. I was like, I had a little bit of mind talk about that actually. I'm like, oh my God, am I like, am I short on therapy? I'm saying, oh no. But actually, um, I'm really fired up by that creative aspect of it. Yeah. I do see coaching as creating, which is why I've got a really high bar for who I work with. You know, I'm not going to work with someone that needs to be back in the, you know, looking, dwelling in the past and doing a whole bunch of healing. I definitely think there's a healing component to coaching. But ultimately, it's about creating. Yeah, and I love yeah. that too, the whole creative partnership aspect of that. Wonderful. Definitely. How, how did the, um, is it just an idea? How did the, how did this uh, one day intensive come about? Just have interest. Yeah, well, you know, I, I see other people do it. I realize it's an option. <laughs> like lots of things are options. But it's made sense to me. And the fact that I like, I'm a relationships person. Yeah. And I like growing and de developing and, and creating relationships. And I like going deep. And so an intensive made sense to me. Mm. But I must say, Phil, I was driving back. I was feeling quite exhausted. And I uh, was thinking, oh, could I do two or three days? Like, could I do that? <laughs> or, you know, would I just feel I have to crawl under a rock afterwards? But I just think that's something, it's a muscle I'll grow with time. And I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, I've done four intensives, coaching intensives, um, under Kinthos. And um, client and I, this, this actually came about, I was sitting on the bench overlooking the harbour, of the little tiny village. It's a little tourist resort and I was just sitting on this really creaky old blue bench I think I posted pictures of this on Facebook before and I thought it would be great to just sit here with a client actually and just be chatting and exploring so that's that's what I did just created that but um so we meet for we meet one day then we have a day apart um well, I'm available you know I'm available like via phone or whatever um and then we meet again you know for the the, the third day so it's a two-day it's a two-day coaching intensive spread over three days, or each client has stayed oh, there that's a good idea. for longer than that. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely, absolutely love that. I haven't worked out how I could take a whiteboard with me and a backpack, so I do make do. With a, <laughs> hey, with a, fold out whiteboard. There's a really good idea. With a pen, with a pad and pen and whatever. Yeah. So who, who, or what, indeed, Annie? Um, do you think has influenced your coaching the most? You, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Goddard, everyone. <laughs> well, I know that's not true. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the early days, I think I um, there was a, a senior trainer at this organisation. I was, you know, did my, you know, coaching early early coaching um, sort of training with. Um, she still is one of the best trainers and coaches I know. She has such acute perception and intuition. She's intelligent and she just loves people deeply. That I've been incredibly influenced by her. And she, you know, even though I've been in the spheres of other master coaches internationally, you know, 
Michael Neal, Rich Litvin, Jamie Smart, you know, and others. It, she is up there, absolutely up there as preeminent coach. But I think I, I, you know, I, I read The Prosperous Coach a couple of years ago and that absolutely resonated with me. The, um, you know, the, the idea that the business of coaching could just be brought into the sphere of coaching. So growing the coaching practice um, was actually not something completely separate and like, a you know, ha- having sales is completely separate, but bringing the two together that, in fact, a sales conversation is a coaching conversation, that was massive yeah. for me. Yeah. And that was like, yes, of course. <laughs> yes. Or it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, let me <laughs> – let me enroll every day because I could get to coach, right? Um, so I think, you know, Rich Litvin and, and his his um, book, The Prosperous Coach, that he wrote with Steve Chandler was a game changer. However, I, I'm not into doing two-hour conversations all throughout the day with people. I think, um, you know, I, I've modified it for, you know, for me and the way I want to work. But I think he's, he's had a huge influence Um and I love um, I love Jamie Smart and the way he uh, so warmly and expertly grows community. Mm. Yeah. I absolutely love that. And he's incredibly generous with his time and giving value. He's very, very visible. Oh, I mean, I, he's I, a masterclass on visibility. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I follow him as well. And it's just relentless in how he serves, of being of service to his community. It's relentless. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. The other two people that, you know, I think, you know, high visibility and that they're up there in terms of, you know, if you're new to coaching, to get into their sphere and read what they've got because that would be a good starting point. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're two people that have had a big impact on me and I've been to, um, you know, intensives and, and course, done courses of theirs and, yeah, I love their work. I love so, that. But yeah. What kind of what kind of client are you then, Annie? How would you describe uh, yourself a as question. a client? <laughs> I think I'm a great client. Um, like I, I, I love the deep work, and I love a laugh, and I love bringing <laughs> that into the work that I do with people and because it is just who I am and I think I'm a great client um, and I'm willing, willing to take action and I think I look for that in my own clients. Like I've made, you know, like I think I'm far more choosy about who I work with because I don't need, I don't need to do this. I want to enjoy my work and I want to have fun and I want to absolutely love who I work with. Enough idea. I mean, that's why I'm not in corporate. I don't want to have to work with toxic team members, you know, and people that, you know, aren't, aren't um, loving their work and, 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 and loving their colleagues and, and being that awesome person, that awesome teammate. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think I, that's why I think I make a good client, but because I want to be that person that's awesome to work with and helps people, you know, get the best out of, do their best work and, and, and you know, be, be an awesome person to be around, right? 
It's beautiful to hear that. And I I sort of sit here and I think, yeah, what would be the opposite of that? And it would be like a coach who feels, well, I have to coach. And and work and then a client who thinks, Oh, I have to work with this coach and it's just oh my goodness, it's just like my shoulders are getting heavy just thinking about that. So this it's wonderful and it sounds cliche, but um it's also liberating to do what it is you want to do. To be doing what you yeah. want to do. It does seem to um yeah, it just has a, a much more beautiful, loving energy around it. And yeah, that, yeah. You know yeah. Well, you asked me before about how you know my coaching practice has evolved. I think that's one of the other the other key changes is that um, I am more choosy about who I work with. And in fact, um, the other the other week, someone's really was really keen to work with me and find out more about working with me. And we had some emails, and I was just like, I don't think this is a coaching thing. I think this is like couples therapy or something. Um, and she didn't like the fact I said no, but I was just like, I like the fact I said no, actually. And like, and I think I perceived that accurately based on what came out of my no emails that, you know, that, that transpired after that. I was like, that was definitely the right call. So I think it is that, um, and I don't think that's necessarily clear to us when we start. Like there's this thing around niching or niching if you're in the States, and I'm going to say niching, but niche, and I, I don't think that's clear when you're straight out of the gate. Like if you've, if you've, you know, um, gone and studied to be a coach and you've got your accreditation, you're starting a practice, I, I think that's something that that evolves and that you realise after working with people. Yeah. Like how are you going to know yeah. if you've never coached real-life people outside of coaching school? Yeah. Like, I don't – and I and also, too, I think um, I've, I, I started out kind of in the career coaching space but actually realised – that I love helping people create, create businesses, create businesses from the inside out, from who they really are. And I think working with people in corporate, there's too many rules. There's a game you've got to play. Mm-hmm. And I want to work outside of that. I want people that determine their own game. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. become real clear to me. And I, and I see that because um, I've, you know, worked with some clients where I'm doing stuff with them personally, and they've hired me personally, and then I'm doing stuff with them, you know, in their corporates. And uh, it's fascinating to see the different landscape that is, that's at play. Yeah, totally right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's, what's really... Is there one thing that you see now that might have helped you accelerate growth of your practice if you'd have known it, you know, years ago? Yeah. Um, I think this might sound a bit kind of abstract in a way, but what I've been seeing more lately is that most of the stuff that was holding me back um, around charging and my ability or not really truly being, being able to be myself, stuff I was thinking was that it's all made up and how much of what I tell myself are just stories. And they really look true at the time. And it's, it's one of the reasons why I have a coach is because the blind spots are immense. And 
it's so easy for us to be seduced by our thinking about what's possible or not. And this isn't a plug for coaching, but honestly, like I've got a friend of mine and and, um, an amazing coach, she's, we've been having some interesting conversations about how coaching's, you know, I mean, it's it's not necessary, but like mm, really kind of questioning the value of coaching. And I think for me, one of the big benefits is someone who works on their own, who has a team of zero, I need, it, it kind of, I, I really do need some eyes on me to be able to go, is that really true? Because yeah. that's always the one thing holding me back. Yeah. Yeah, and you see it time, time, and time, and time again. Um, of course, there's no there's no better way of creating in the world than taking action, and yet so often alone, um, there is we do seem to fall in that trap of allowing our actions to be guided to varying degrees by what we feel, and therefore by our thinking. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of a client yesterday, and he asked me a question. He likes to ask, like, some strategic stuff, and I'm always pointing him back at himself, generally. I mean, I will will play that game. If I've got ideas, I'm always happy to share. I mean, you just get everything that I've got. But he asked me this one question. He was talking about taking some action on something. And and he was like, what do you you think I should do about it? As in, what what, next action step? And I, I said to him, well, something. He said, what, 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 do you, what do you mean? I said, well, what have you done so far? He said, nothing. And I just sat there, nodded and smiled. I like, oh, I get it. Okay. <laughs> just do something. Yeah. Just do something. Yeah. That's what I get about you. you. You you're always seems just willing to do something. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. What, um, what scares you currently, if anything? What do you what do you find scary? Whether you work through it anyway, but what do you find scary? Just being me. Being me. I still find that scary. There is that piece of me that um you know a- a- am I likable if I you know, say what I think and do what I do and be that goofy self. Are people going to like me? Are people going to want to work with me? There's, I don't think I'll, that will ever go. I don't, I, I, you know, and it, it obviously it has some, you know, it's, it's part of this evolutionary hangover of needing to be part of the tribe or you die. Yeah. But I think that's, and, I, and it's, it's the one thing I love to work with, with people. And yet it's the biggest struggle. And that's always the way. It's always the way. (laughs) That is the cornerstone of the work I do with people is um, I just want them to be unapologetically themselves. And I want that for me too. And I think that's the thing that holds us back is that I believe we can't be ourselves. And and, and and, And we lose touch with what that true self is and that true self really wants. So I see my, a lot of my coaching sessions is helping people come back home and making decisions from that place. Home being that place inside, beyond the stories, all that. It's like, 
what does that feel like to be home? What's that part of, what's the Annie-ness of Annie? What's the Phil-ness of Phil? And what does that person want? Hmm. You know, what do they really want? And it's, and that, that's always the best place to make decisions from. Yeah, yeah. So not that fucking overthinking bullshit. <laughs> no, 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 no. And that's where coaching's useful. No, we don't need it. No, we don't need coaching. But I can't imagine not having someone around as a sole operator that, 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 can, that can help me see past that bullshit or yeah. that overthinking. I love that. I love all that you said there. And I totally, totally relate to it all. And I think it is just inherent in this condition that we call being human. Um, you know, when I, one of my most popular memes or posts on Facebook that I made was just a, a woman with her arms out. And it, the, the caption was, I just want to be loved, said everybody underneath all the other bullshit they said. And that's that's true, right? I think we have that running that um, we are scared of, of rejection. And, and if you ask me who'd influence my coaching perhaps the most i mean there are the same names as you would jump out of course but a lot of work that i've done with um i mentor robert holden he he, he reminded yeah. me of a couple of things that he pointed out to me in um, um one of his workshops there's uh kind of two things that come to mind i'll share with you anyway he said um what if your greatest act of self-improvement is simply loving acceptance yeah and um, then this wonderful question, which you've, you've, you've essentially paraphrased. What's it like to be you when you're not trying to be somebody? Absolutely. What's it like to be you when you're not trying to be somebody? Which is... Uh, you, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And, yeah, I was just going to say, Phil, you know, um, I work with coaches. I don't just work with... In fact, most of my clients aren't coaches, but... And even with non-coaching clients, it's that 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 essence of who they are. That's their asset, and that's hard though. It's hard to find that essence or connect with that essence and 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 be connected with it and make business decisions and grow a brand. But that's their asset, mm. and it's often what I'm working with my clients on. Love it, love it. Um, when you look from where you're sitting on the other side of the world, <laughs> but in this wonderful interconnected world that we live in today, what do you see as uh, perhaps the blessings of this profession or the icky bits about this profession? Okay, it's one answer to both. The blessings of this profession is a low bar of entry. The ickiness of the professions, the low bar of entry, mm. the low barrier to entry. Yeah. 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 So two more questions for you. Um, I ask pretty much all my guests these two questions towards the end. So if you did have um, a whole bunch of coaches in a room uh, and you just had a 30-second message for them, uh, what might that message be? I, I think it's be who you are and do business from this place. You know, I think that's, you know, it's way less than 30 seconds, but I think yeah. that that's what it always comes back to. And, 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 you know, whether it's coaches or anyone else, be who you really are and do business from that place. Yeah. 
And that, you know what? It's just, so hard to do, though. Well, I was it's just thinking, you know, you see, see uh, you just, uh, just kind of had a little insight here, actually, in that uh, hearing you, again, because a lot of people say that, of course, and I'm just seeing about this thing about um, hiring a coach that in a way lives the way that you want to live, whatever, and I just generally think that's complete baloney because um, one of the most inspiring conversations I've had is with a homeless guy lives, you know, or would hang out not far from here so i don't i don't subscribe to all of that but you know what i think that yeah do i want to i want to work with a coach who is relentlessly being themselves is uh we use that word authentic don't we but um who is really being themselves and shows up um totally human with yeah. all their strengths all their weaknesses and yeah. share well actually all. yeah there's a coach um, in the States, Rebecca Dixon. I think she does that really, really well. She goes on her Facebook lives with no makeup and a fucking bathrobe, drinking coffee, smoking a cigarette, and they are the best lives, mm. you know, some of the best lives I've ever seen. Oh. And it's that role modeling, just being me. And I think, and that's compelling because there is that, there's an adage out there, right? When we're ourselves, we give permission to others to be themselves. Other people, well, we're not giving permission, but other people go, oh, well, I can do that too and I can be that too because they look cool. They're compelling. And so they're like, oh, I can, I can do that too, right? And so, um, yeah, she, she's, she's another uh, coach that's had an influence on me. She's got no idea. I've never done any of her courses, but <laughs> I love the way she shows up. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And uh, she's making fucking good money as well. <laughs> and, and that person for me, um, she's been on here actually, it's about time we had her on again, Alison Crow. Um, I just think yeah. she's wonderful. Oh, Alison. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Um, so finally then, time's flown by. I love this conversation. Finally, for you, just personally to you, mm-hmm. what is the purpose of your coaching? Um, I mean, it just sounds so bollocksy, but it is true about making a difference in others' lives and helping them be themselves. And and helping them make money from that. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's all it is. Yeah, I love the honesty. How do you be yourself and make money from it? Yeah. And then the purpose, and and that for me in turns, you know, fills my cup, spins my wheels, and and, and, and money lands in my bank account, you know. Does that sound really greedy? I said, mind talk about that right now. Um, (laughs) But it is that. It's that piece of like helping people be themselves and and make money from it. Mm. Love it. Thank you so much, Annie. It's been wonderful. 
There you go. That was Annie Romanos. I loved her openness, her honesty, particularly around money, how she does what she wants, and her honesty around her fears. You know, I want to bring people like Annie to you because the purpose of this podcast is to show you what's really going on behind the scenes. Annie was very open in that respect, that she does not need to work. She doesn't need money from coaching, meaning everything is done because of her own choice. As an example, she's fitted building a coaching practice around bringing up her family. She is doing what she wants to do, how she wants to do it. She's free and she's very expressive in that freedom. She described how her practice has evolved organically and quickly because she doesn't mind, in her words, making fuck-ups. She said she doesn't stew for long. I love that. She has been willing to fail because she didn't need the money and that has led to success. Now, I believe for all of us, it can be fun. Fun is life's greatest lubricant for success. So even if you do need money, for some practical reasons, we all have those reasons, right? We all have bills to pay. That does not mean you don't need to have fun. In fact, Annie is a wonderful example of how being free, doing what you want, being willing to experiment and fail, taking action, that is what will bring you success in this profession. And I loved her message at the end. Be who you really are and do business from that place. I'd love to hear from you on what you got from this episode or indeed any of the others, either by making direct contact or joining the Facebook Coaching Live podcast group. If you're enjoying this podcast, please pop along to iTunes and leave a brief, honest review. It will take you less than a minute and it will help other people like you find this and get an opportunity to enjoy these conversations too. Thank you once again for listening. Until next time, I wish you much love and joy. Thank you.